Guys, it's been too long. I know life got busy and we will address some of that in another episode. But then a worldwide pandemic happened. And I just knew I had to bring back a new thing. So let's get to it. You're listening to A New Thing, a podcast about new faith communities, the people that start them, and the individuals and ideas that inspire and inform them. I'm Jason Evans. All right, we are good. I'm just going to start off by asking you, like we were having a cup of coffee, how you're doing? As soon as I decided to bring back a new thing and start with these pandemic sessions, where I would check in with people to see how they are experiencing this worldwide pandemic and stay-at-home orders, how they are responding to it in their everyday lives, I knew who I needed to start with. I had to start with Becky Sartman. Not too many. How are you? Well, you're you're screwing up my my format here. I was going to ask you that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so Jason. Um, (laughs) Sure. Okay, so... I, I'm fine. Maybe we'll just get started. You're fine. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing good. <laughs> how You're, are we? Like, are we? Are we talking about pandemic stuff or not really? Or like, how? Like, are you? I don't know. We'll just do it and see what happens. That yeah. seems better to me. <laughs> yeah. In fact, this may be included. So. <laughs> um, okay. Great. Um, I'll try to keep the like maniacal laughter to a minimum. Also. Oh, I love your <laughs> so. laugh. So I'm not going to complain about your. <laughs> your lap it's not maniacal it's <gasps> joyful it's joyful it's, it's like a little out of control when I was doing um so the first you know we just got done with uh signs of life which was that curriculum with the monks of SSJE and uh lifelong learning at BTS and mm-hmm. this I was is hosting the, this these is conversations Lent, this is the Lenten series well, it's actually evergreen. It was released in Lent 2020, but it does not need to be for Lent. We don't say the word Lent the whole time. Right. So, yeah. um, no, it was good. anyone can it was really do it. Good. It was really, so it was really fun, right? Like I was just so like, the brothers are great. I love being up there in Cambridge with them. Like it's all very cozy and wonderful. Uh, but the problem was we didn't know whether they were going to talk or not. Mm. Um, and I was kind of brought in as like the monk whisperer talker person who could like make very quiet people talk. <laughs> so the first, <laughs> the first conversation we had, uh, I was just so delighted they were actually talking. I kept laughing and they put a lot of that into the video and then they got extreme responses from viewers, which were either like, oh my God, I love her laugh. And that it's the perfect antidote to those four monks sitting there in black, you know, talking about things. Um, Or what's wrong with her? (laughs) It was so distracting. This is a very serious video and that was not appropriate. (laughs) It was like nothing in the middle. Nothing with with monks can can, uh, incorporate laughter and joy. I'm sorry. It has to be very serious. Have you even been there? They're wonderful. You know, like they laugh and talk all the time. It's great. They are very joyful men and I love them very much. And it was, but I was like, seriously, people, seriously. Uh, (laughs) But like, it was like, even I, when I'm watching the video, I'm like, oh God, Becky, tone it down. (laughs) (laughs) So this, this actually leads me to the reason why I wanted to talk to you and you were the first person I wanted 
to talk to you uh, for these sessions that I'm recording during the pandemic because you are one of the most joyful people I know. Um, but also one of the reasons that you're joyful is you're incredibly rugged. Like you were the last person in the world I would be worried about during this because I'm like, oh, <laughs> Becky can find joy and how, and she's got the work ethic to get through just about anything. So if the apocalypse <laughs> happens, Becky's the last person I'm worried about because <laughs> she will fight and laugh her way through it. But that, but I am curious, how, how are you doing? as we have been now at home for over a month, how are you doing? Like tactically, uh, we are trying to figure out how to do two full-time jobs with a five-year-old um, who is a great kid. She's great. And you know, like she's, she's wonderful, amazing. but yeah. she's amazing. And also she just wants to talk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> so like that's been, uh, my husband's been really, really stepping up and very helpful. So we are, we are getting through that. It's just like those technical kind of things that you're like, Oh, um, as far as spiritually, like I have really discovered, um, almost to my dismay, how dependent I'd become on Sundays to give me energy and propel me through the week. And I just, you know, I love people. Mm -hmm. And so um, this has been a time of invitation for me about going deep into some practices that, you know, frankly, I've been neglecting because you don't put the words Becky's Artman and silent prayer in the uh, same sentence very often, but here we are. And yeah, I yeah. really loved it, which is weird. Um, yes, yeah. For someone as extroverted <laughs> as you are, I'm, su I'm surprised to hear you say that. It's been a total grace and um, just very beautiful. I've been spending time to do a late night walk with the dog every night. And uh, I always journal, but there's been more opening for that and um, really trying to set aside time and space um, we've set up a prayer space in my home. It's actually in the closet of our guest room. Nice. <laughs> nice. Like, I was like, well, Jesus said closets. I wonder if this would work. Uh, guess what? Jesus was right. Um, <laughs> works great. <laughs> so you kind of alluded to this, yeah. but uh, it, it does lead me to ask you, uh, you said you miss Sunday. Wh what is it that you do? Like, tell us about who Becky is. What is your vocation? Oh, so I am the canon missioner for welcome and evangelism at Christ Church Cathedral in Houston, Texas, uh, which means that I do all the priesty things, right? Like funerals and weddings, and I preach and I do Bible study and, uh, you know, celebrate the Eucharist. Oh, I miss that so much right now. Um, but also my kind of portfolio, because it's such a large community, is human golden retriever. So I say hi, and I greet you, and I welcome you, and I um, work on getting you into the center of the heart of this community. It's a wonderful community. Uh, you know, and then we're also now uh, really turning towards evangelism, which I am just absolutely delighted about. But now we're like, what does it look like? What does it look like now? Yeah. Um, because this is uh, going to be, this is like one of those events, those life-changing, world-changing events where everything gets tossed up into the air and 
we just got to pick it up and figure it out. But, you know, the imperative doesn't change. And in fact, I'd argue that we need to be out there for people more than ever. Like, you can't tell me people don't need Jesus right now because clearly they do. (laughs) Um, So like, how can we be equipping? And that's what I think about a lot, which is how can we form Christians into mature Christians so that evangelism is just part and parcel of who they are. I love that. And I want to get into that. But before I ask you a little bit more about that, I want to ask you a question about, you know, what your daily routines and rituals look like, because I am finding that for many leaders, this has been what has been upturned the most possibly, that the things that you are used to doing on a daily basis, if if nothing more than in a different context than usual, and at the most, you just can't do some of the things that you used to do for whatever your work is. And so, uh, but I've also been observing that it's those that are clear about what their rituals and routines are that seem to actually be productive and fulfill their, their vocation and call right now too. So I'm just curious, what is, what is your rhythm and routine look like on a daily basis right now? Right now. Um, I'll be real honest. The first two or three weeks, the beginning of this, like I bullet journal my life and, um, it was just chaos in there for a while, but I really like that. It's like, and now that I am getting into routine, you're exactly right. It's so much better. So um, I wake up, get breakfast, feed the kiddo, get things together. I usually hit the prayer closet around nine Mm -hmm. and do at least 20 minutes, 30 minutes if I can squeeze it in. And that has just been like absolutely necessary. And and what are you doing when you're praying? Are you praying the office? Are you prayer journaling? Like what do you, when you, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. So actually I am chronically bad at the office if other people are not there. Um, I just find it very difficult for me to pray the office by myself because I find it to be so sad. Mm. Um, (laughs) Like, I'm just like, there's supposed to be other people in here. Like, like prayers that are written responsibly are not meant to be read by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just find it, I'm just like, so so no, I've been doing a lot of Jesus prayer, a lot of repetitive prayer. a lot of, and then just like letting that sink into silence and letting things percolate. Um, or, you know, like I'm chatty. I talk to God. We're tight, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> we talk about things because like, you know, I'm such an external processor that I'm not doing something. Nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been, yeah. And so I just like work things out in there and they um, come out look at email. I try to like block off time to work on projects in the morning because that's, mm -hmm. is that, is that your most productive time is in the mornings? Oh, 100%. Um, by the afternoon I am on a normal, like, like pre pandemic. I always try to schedule my meetings with people in the afternoon and work in the mornings whenever that's possible. So I've been trying to keep that pattern in my life. Mm-hmm. which is, um, if at all possible, do the Zoom meetings and the pastoral care calls and the, all the things that like give me energy from other people in the afternoon and try to work on significant projects in the morning. Mm, that's interesting. So it's the conversation with God that feeds your other work. And then it's 
almost like this loop then your conversations with others in the afternoons go back and feed the rest of your your work or personality oh jason i didn't know that about myself but thank you (laughs) (laughs) all i knew was that it worked right so um yeah i just kind of so thanks (laughs) you're always good for that um Um, yeah, so that's good. And then I've got, um, some other rhythms in my week. So if I'm preaching, I begin my reading for that early in the week and then try to write that on Wednesday or Thursday. If I am, um, I've been doing a Bible study on wilderness experiences of wilderness in scripture, Mm -hmm. um, which has been just super powerful and interesting. Now we're moving into acts so we can talk about that later. Um, So that's my Wednesday morning time is preparing to teach that on Wednesday evenings. Um, Just like it's a lot of things are dictated by, I have a weekly schedule instead of a daily one, but that's the general daily and weekly schedule. Nice. Nice. Well, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, so I want to come back to it. You mentioned the importance of evangelism right now. And I'm curious what you think that looks like in this moment. What it looks like in this moment is really dependent on what you think it is to begin with. Right. Mm. So um, I'm convinced that evangelism isn't like, okay, so there's like technical evangelism and then there is like whole life evangelism. Like we can teach people to invite. So if like your parish has a Facebook event for Sunday morning and you host a watch party, like, yeah, that is sharing the good news. And that's mm-hmm. really great. Right. Like that is wonderful. And I love that. And everybody needs to be doing that. And, um, but there's also, so it's not just you, right? It's also like the story of what's happening. You can't do that unless you have a good grasp on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I mean like fully Christian formation, like really getting into, yeah, that's, that's complicated. No, but, I hear what you're saying. It's kind of like if you, if you can't recognize God at work in your own life and understand how that participates in the greater story of God, then how are you going to do evangelism? Yeah, it's naming and proclaiming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the tricky part now is that when there's so much fear and there's so much chaos and there's so much going on out there that we have no control over, although I am 100% convinced that that control was perceived um, and not actually real mm-hmm. um, from before. So something I believe about Christian formation is that you're not really formed as a Christian until you've gone through a crisis of faith, right? Mm. Like you can like believe and like do the things and go to church on Sunday and share your church's Facebook feed and like all those kind of things and just kind of like truck along and be fine. But usually for people who have like a really deep and lived faith, like something's happened, like something terrible or they had a, major fight with God or just like some kind of something that is a crisis moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's going to be a lot of people for whom there, this will be their crisis moment. And if you've gone through a crisis moment with God before uh, you'll kind of know it's like a breakup, right? Like the first time, like you have a breakup, you think like, this is like nothing could possibly ever be 
you know, like this is the end of the world. Um, the second time you have a breakup, you're like, okay, that is horrendous. But like, I, there's a script for this, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be different people on different levels of like, what is the script for this? Like, I've never experienced this before. Why would God do this to us? And then there's going to be, um, you know, I've had to work through this, like something akin to this before, and I know how to do this. And then there are the people who've like gone through so many crises that they're just like, you know what? God's got this. <laughs> Like, like even if I die, you know, like that's actually not the worst thing that can happen to me. And (laughs) well, I guess that's part of my my question for you. Then, I mean, you don't flinch. I mean, I've seen you hurt, and I've seen you go through hard things, but you rarely flinch from those things. You kind of respond just as you articulated. Now, that's tends to be how you respond to most things. So I'm assuming then you feel like you've gone through that. You've had the breakup. You've had the, the heartache. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. Um, before this, I was a campus missioner, as you know. As I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell my college students. I say, listen, the only difference, and if you've heard me talk, you've probably heard me say this before, but the only difference between us and the saints are that the saints have figured out that absolutely nothing can separate them from the love of God. Nothing, nothing. This is like, this Romans all the way through Romans eight, right? Mm-hmm. The end of it. Um, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And the saints are just the people who have figured that out and are like, Oh, so this is how I live my life. Right. Mm. Like, so like, there's like, I just, you can just go for it because there's nothing, this freedom, like faith in God is freedom. Mm -hmm. And so like, you just stop where like a lot and a lot of sucky things really happen. Like you've got martyrs, you've got all kinds of horrible things happen to people all the time. But with, with saints, like they're like, well, that was terrible. Um, or they're dead, you know, because they're martyrs. Um, but that's not the point. Like the point is faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Like that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no winning here. Yeah. Like the only winning is faithfulness. And so even abject failure, even abject heartbreak and mourning, like, and I don't say that lightly, uh, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And so like, and once you get past that, there's just not much that can touch you and you're set free to go be, be who God called you to be. I love that. Well, that kind of transitions me towards asking you about this recent study you put together. Going into Eastertide, you were planning on a study that really kind of ties into what we were talking about before that you see a big part of your work is preparing people for the work of evangelism, of sharing good news. Can you talk a little bit about this Bible study that you just recently developed and that the cathedral in Houston has put up for free for people to use? Sure. So it's called Acts and Easter um, because you read Acts and Easter. (laughs) Just started From a lectionary standpoint, right? We're reading the book of Acts together throughout the Easter season. Um, and this is not rocket science, right? Like this wasn't even like forward movement did this a couple of years ago. But what I think is uh, what's different about this curriculum is that it's, it's engaging with 
acts right now. And I actually preached this yesterday morning. I actually preached on Thursday because we pre-can our stuff. So it went live yesterday. But um, uh, my sermon was basically act is a now what moment. Like the mm-hmm. church isn't just, it's not even the church yet. They don't even know who they're becoming or what they're supposed to do. It's just like we were with Jesus and it was great. It was hard, but great. And now Jesus is gone. Now what? And we're in the now what moment. Like we have a collective as a society, as a worldwide, we're in a now what moment. Now what are we going to do? And so as people of faith, this is a great opportunity to look back and see where did God move? Like how did the whole, what is the Holy Spirit doing then? And what is it doing now? Um, Where is it calling us to go? Because if you, Scripture is huge for me, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, one of the wonderful things about Scripture is it teaches us how God has moved in the past so we can see how it moves in our own lives today. So it mm-hmm. had to be Acts. Like, mm-hmm. It had to be Acts. Like We had to read this book now. And so uh, there are different ways to plug in. Um, as I told everybody, I know I just said there's no winning, but if you read, if you read Acts during Easter, you win, right? That's it. Like if the only thing you can do is read up to a chapter of scripture a day. You, like, great. I am delighted. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just so happy. This is wonderful. Um, great. Good for you. This is wonderful. The whole community is doing it together. Um, on top of that, our weekly prayer practices that reflect the reading. And so they change each week. Um, They usually start with like set a timer for at least five minutes. Obviously everyone's invited to go longer than that, but there are ways to engage with the text from a spiritual standpoint. And then we're doing, um, I think we have seven right now. I need to get that all figured out, but seven small online small groups. So there's a curriculum for online small group conversation. The small group will meet once a week throughout the season of Easter and the first week of Pentecost and just talk about the book and their life Mm -hmm. and how God is working in it and how they see God working in acts and how they see God working in their own life. And um, so, and that's it. Like it's, it's pretty, Oh, we did like, there's a kid build out. So there's coloring sheets. There's like all kinds of, there's a youth build out, um, Carrie Ann Lesner, our children and family minister, uh, minister and, uh, Marcia Quintanilla is, um, our youth person. She wrote something too, to kind of all dovetail together. But, um, it's really, it's like meant to be, that sounds complicated, but it's meant to be simple and turnkey in a time where nothing is simple and turnkey. <laughs> Well, that's what I really liked about it because it was thoughtful, but it was really practical and really easy to engage with. And I think that there's probably too much material out there that makes a lot of assumptions about how people can use and engage with material. Uh, and you made, <laughs> and you made it easy for people to use the material by really laying it out for them as, as here are some best practices. Here are some ways to uh, think about this and engage people with it. And, I, I think that's oftentimes the stuff that's maybe missing the most. We assume people understand how to do those things. And that may be the biggest gap is that people aren't clear on how to do those basic practices. They can read the scripture and think about it and reflect on how it applies to their lives, but the actual tools of how to engage other people around it, maybe how to set aside time and prepare themselves and others. That was really, I thought 
a, a beautiful piece of this actually is how clear and practical it was for people using it. Thanks, Jason. I really tried to write everything for an empowered lay person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, did you know how shows. I feel about empowered lay people? I do. <laughs> you know? but, um, so that's really, yeah, like my hope is that anyone could pick it up and say, like, I'm going to get as engaged as I can with this. So you are never short of projects. You are always working on something, <laughs> usually some things. And I know that in this, this summer, there's going to be another project of yours that's going to be released because I got to write one of the endorsements for it. So <gasps> you didn't tell me that. I just assumed you knew that. <laughs> Nobody told Surprise. me. Surprise. I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So tell, so tell us a little bit about your new project coming up this summer. Sure. So, um, so it's a book. It's called Belovedness, Finding God and Self on Campus. And uh, it is a co I co-edited this book with my dear friend, James Franklin, who is the uh, chaplain at Wake, the Episcopal chaplain at Wake Forest. Uh, down in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And um, he's my friend through, we just have just kind of, I don't know, come up together in Episcopal world for a while now. And um, he approached me and was like, I just feel like we're supposed to do a project. And I was like, that's funny. I wrote a book outline like a week ago. <laughs> just, just wrote a book outline, <laughs> just for the fun of it. <laughs> always thinking about like I just had these things to say right and that was that like there's there's not a lot of resources for mainline students who are going to college like there's mm -hmm. a whole lot of like don't have sex don't drink don't have fun and if you believe in secularism you're evil this is how to escape college unscathed right <laughs> like and I was like oh this is just not helpful for our, our students it's not who they are and where they're at right now. And like our tradition is way more complex than that. Um, so we took the 10 most problem, like we discovered we were having the same conversation over and over and over again with students. And the question was, and the question always is, especially with people, anyone who's discerning, but especially the college student age is what would you do and who would you be if you believe God loved you beyond all measure, right? Mm -hmm. This is a saint question, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like, how, what would you do? And so how do you approach a relationship understanding that God loves you more than anything else? Yeah. Or sex or how you party or mental illness or um, just all the other stuff that happens <laughs> campus like there's so much but like all success and failure right like mm -hmm. all of these things that are part and parcel of every college student's life and when we started talking to our uh, campus ministry colleagues we discovered they were all having the same conversation too and so what we did was we um each took a chapter there like and we wrote a chapter for a particular student in mind. Mm. Um, so the, everything's written to a college student from a college chaplain who has at least three years of experience of walking nice. with students in that, in that time. And so what you get is 
some unbelievably funny and witty writing. College chaplains are hilarious, by the way. Um, <laughs> you kind of have to be to take that job, right? Like there's like, um, there's just so much, it's so wonky that you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, you need to be a little go with it to do it well. So we asked some of the, um, like Stacy Allen at U Chicago, we asked her to write a chapter about discernment and it is just fire emojis like and I just can't Stacy's great right Mm -hmm. so like I just can't wait um and I know like and now it's all like complicated and wonky and who knows what's happening but that stuff stuff's still true like people are still in even in the middle of all of this people are still discerning who is God calling me to be um so that's basically the book we're gonna um it's being released in June and um, it's been a great adventure to and, and to work with all of those other chaplains. It's just been a huge privilege. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but effectively it was if you're a college student and you haven't read this, read it. If you have, go grab some people on campus and go through this with them. Uh, it would be a, for a student that doesn't have a chaplain or a campus leader of any kind to lead a faith community. It's a great tool to start a faith community on campus with other students if you're a student. So when you and I first met, one of our first conversations, just you and I, was your curiosity about starting new communities. And you've you've done that in a neighborhood in DC. You did that at Georgetown in Washington, DC on campus. Um, you're starting new Bible studies and such now. So you get the entrepreneurial spirit. And I'm just wondering if you have any closing words for people that are starting new communities, what's the best advice that you would offer those types of people? Oh, golly. Well, to to risk sounding like Jason Evans, um, (laughs) you know, listening is huge. Like actually listening to people and where God is already moving in their lives. Like I've got, my missiology is such that God is doing amazing things all the time outside of the church. And it's not our task to go replicate church. It's our task to join in the work of what God is doing out there and joy and, and enjoy it and, and bask in it and, and move it forward and be a part of it because it's amazing. It's going to happen whether you do it or not. Right. But so why not get involved? And also, like, I, I did use the word joy. It, it must be joyful. And I'm not talking about happy, like happy, whatever. The root of happy is luck. Like happiness is that you're lucky. And joy has nothing to do with luck. Being joyful in the world and bringing joy to other people, joy and meaning and purpose and clarity and grace by being with them and walking with them and listening to them. It's just, I don't know why anyone wants to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Um, so for me, it's like, listen for the joy and be present to the joy and tend it and help it grow. And you can't go wrong really mm-hmm. because it's all like, I think about this a lot, which is the most important things that we do in our faith are things that are the means and the ends. So for me, the means of evangelism is joy, is sharing our joy and pointing out our joy. But the end of evangelism is joy. Like we do it 
restore joy, to mm. make more joy, but it's also the means of it and turns into like, that's the way love is. Mm-hmm. Like the means of love is love and the ends of love is love. And so those things in our faith, um, they just, they see like, it's just this beautiful spiral. And when we find those and we follow them, we can't, we can't go wrong. And so I think people are afraid to fail, but I think if that's your fear, you're kind of missing the point. That's a perfect place to end. I'm grateful for you. You can find links to Becky's work and more in the show notes of this episode. I'd be grateful if you subscribe to a new thing, left a rating and review for this podcast. You can reach me on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Evans. Like and share this episode on Facebook or whatever social media platforms you use. If you head over to digitaljasonevans.com, you can find my blog and monthly newsletter. Make sure to subscribe to that. Thanks to Adam Powell for the music for A New Thing. You can find more of Adam's work at bestfriendscreative.com. Thanks to Becky, and thanks to you for listening.